Welcome to the Harbor Church Podcast. Harbor is here to connect people with Jesus and with each other. If you're looking to get connected, you can find more info at harborchurch.com. Now here's this week's message from Pastor Josh. this morning. Come on, come on. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Woo! I hope you're ready. Man, it's so good to see you guys. Thank you so much. Those of you that are joining online, thank you as well, whether it's Facebook or uh, the podcast or whether it's your first time here. Maybe maybe you got invited. This is your first time checking out Harbor or it might be your first time going to a church ever, any church. Man, we're so thankful that you're with us. Seriously, thank you very much. Thanks for checking us out. My name is Josh. I'm the lead pastor here at Harbor, and we're into a third week of a series that we're calling Fight Club. And like the uh, intro video showed, like we tend to fight with people or not get along with people all over the place. Sometimes it's, it's people we're in a relationship with. Sometimes it's a, a romantic thing, or it's a family member, or it's a classmate or a coworker. Last week, Kaylee and I together talked about trying to, to love the people that we already like. Uh, you know, start with our family, you know, my siblings or my children or my parents or my boyfriend, my girlfriend, something like that, like getting along with people we've already committed to like. The struggle is, what about loving the people that we don't like? How about, how about loving the people that don't like us? Now all of a sudden it gets a little bit different because people are the worst and God tells me to love them, but they don't make it easy. And so it, it, it's, it becomes this thing where you're like, yeah, I know, I know church and the Bible and man, I'm, I'm supposed to love others, but they make it so hard that I'm not sure how to actually do what the Bible tells me to do. Now you got to remember in the world today, in culture today, the, the world around us has given us every reason, every excuse we need to be divided. The world tells us to divide ourselves, to push out people that we disagree with. They don't look like us, if they're not the same age or the same race or the same gender, or the same social status, if they don't vote the same. We have a million reasons to be like, I don't like you and I don't like you and I don't like you because all these things divide us. We have all these things that divide us and yet very few things that unify us and that, that's what God's called us to do. And so we struggle. In the words of the great philosopher, Bob Marley, he says, he said this, the truth is, everybody's going to hurt you. You just got to find the ones that are worth suffering for. And he said that because that's how we think. It's, it's this idea that like, yeah, people are the worst, but if I fall in love with somebody or if I'm related to somebody or we, I think we can be best friends, I will white knuckle it, kind of grip my teeth and get through a friendship. And that's why we have so few really close friendships because it's hard to like one or two people. Like I can only put up with so much and it's that kind of idea. And so like, who's worth suffering for? That's all I can do. That's, that's the max of my relationships is how many bad people can I tolerate and be patient with? And so we struggle to have very many people in our lives that we truly care about because it's, it makes us more vulnerable and it's, it's a struggle. And then you add on top of that, that there are some really bad people out there. And you add on top of that, that there's some really annoying people out there. And some of them just thought of you when I said that. <laughs> and so how do, we, how do we build these relationships? This is what the Bible says in Matthew chapter five, verse 43. Jesus is talking and he goes, hey, you've heard the law. You've heard this, the saying, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. He goes, but I wanna change it up. I'm telling you this, I say, love your enemies. 
What? But they're the people that hate me. They're the people that try to kill me. They're the people that oppress me. Jesus is saying this to a group of people who are enslaved under the Roman Empire. And he's saying, go love the Romans. The ones who have defeated us, killed us, conquered us, and now enslave us and tax us. You go love them. No, I don't think so, boss. He goes, no, no. He goes, this is why this is important. By the way, pray for those who persecute you. When was the last time you prayed for somebody that you didn't like? In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. And when you love your enemies, that's when people will see that you truly are somebody who belongs to God. For he gives light, sunlight to both the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. And he makes this point. Jesus kind of just calls us out where we are. If, if you only love the people who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. Jesus picks what they consider the most corrupt, the most vile, the, the biggest liars. He goes, even the, the most corrupt people in our society love people who love them back. You're not pointing anybody to Jesus by loving people who already love you. He goes, if you're only kind to your friends, I love this question, how are you different? How are you different from anybody else? The, the pagans love their own friends. See, some of you are like, well, I'm a Christ follower. I'm, 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 G, I'm, I'm, a, I'm somebody who follows Jesus. I'm a Christian. I'm a fill in the blank. Nobody can tell that because the only people that you have a good relationship with are the ones that like you back. You point people to Jesus when you love people that don't love you. When you love people who won't love you back. When you forgive and show kindness to people who do nothing but spit on you and hate you, now you demonstrate something where everybody else goes, okay, there's something different about her. Right? He's got something I don't have because I would never do that. See, now you're starting to show people who you really are. But the reason that we won't do it, own it today, the reason you won't be nice to people who won't be nice back, the reason you won't forgive people who won't ask for forgiveness, the reason you won't love people who hate you is because they've done something bad to you. They've hurt you. They stole from you. They broke your heart. They, took, they, they underhandedly took the prom promotion you were looking for. They fought with you for that inheritance. They, they, they got the starting spot on the team that you play on. Whatever reason, somehow they have done something to you. And when God commands us to love our enemies because it shows that we are children of God when we love without a reason to love, you don't do that and I don't do that because we've made it more about what they've done. See, loving others has nothing to do with what they have done to you, but it has everything to do with who you are in Christ. The reason that you are called to love others is because it points people to God, and the reason you don't is because, well, you don't know, Pastor Josh, what's happened to me. You don't know how evil my ex is. You're still called to love him. Oh, but, and you got a reason, and the reasons aren't justified because it's either it comes down to your faith or your feelings and your feelings keep winning out because you care more about how you've been offended than how you've been commanded. I see anybody write that down. You care more about the offense that somebody gave you than the command that God called you to love them and forgive them. See, 
if we want to if we want to dig into that and you're my, like you don't understand let's look at somebody who does understand david in the bible understands david was wrongfully persecuted by people and he was truly a great guy truly a great guy he writes it this way in psalms 109 for the wicked and deceitful mouths are opened against me they keep speaking against me with lying tongues it feels like everybody is just crapping on me he goes, they encircle me with words of hate and attack me without cause. And in return for my love, they accuse me. I extend love and they extend back accusations, but I give myself to prayer. So they reward me evil for good and hatred for love. Maybe you feel like David. I extend the best I can and all it gets me back is accusations. I've tried, I try to love my kids, I try to love my parents, I try to love my sibling, I try to love my coworker, I try to do this with this person, I tried to apologize, I tried, I tried, and all I get back is bad. And so now we've justified, and well, that's why they're over there in that camp, and they're the enemy. And yet God says, no, no, you're still called to love them, even in spite of it. Well, how do I do that? I love what the end of this verse, go back to verse four says. I love what, what verse four says. I give myself to prayer. I asked earlier, it says, you know, pray for those who persecute you. Okay, I'll pray. <laughs> I'll pray. Dear God, let them stub their, their pinky toe on a cold morning on the edge of something super hard. Just, man, just let them, man, just let, let them have a flat tire on the way to work. Yeah, that's how we pray. That's how we pray. He says, no, this is about who you are, not about what they've done. And once again, David is the best illustration for that. I want to show you two stories. David, who was as a, young, as a young shepherd boy, David steps up on a field of battle. When nobody else will step up against a giant, David steps up and fights a giant, not because he wanted to, but because it was the right thing to do to defend God's uh, honor and to defend his country. This, this giant was mocking the God of Israel, mocking all the soldiers. And David's like, I'm not putting up with that. And David steps up, fights the giant. It's a famous story, David versus Goliath. David kills the giant doing all of this out of service to God and service to his fellow man. And you know what it gets him? Gets him in trouble. The king of the country is a guy named Saul, and Saul gets jealous of David. David wins a promotion as this fighter who's willing to step up against the biggest odds. And the more good that David does, the more jealous King Saul gets. Let me read this story to you. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 19, war broke out again after that and David led his troops against the Philistines and he attacked them with such fury that they all ran away. Once again, young guy just trying to do the right thing, just trying to serve his country, serve his king, and yet all it does is make his king more jealous and more frustrated. Here's how the story goes. One day when Saul was sitting at home with a spear in his hand, the tormenting spirit from the Lord suddenly came upon him again. And as David sat there playing his harp, and David would play his harp to soothe the king, and, and the, the, the Saul, when it says the spirit of the Lord, this tormenting spirit, read earlier when Saul begins to pursue other people's opinions and, and what he wants and begins to reject God. God removes his hand of blessing off of Saul. He takes his hand of protection off of Saul. And when God removes that blessing and protection from Saul, Saul becomes tormented. He gets in a bad mood. He becomes a grumpy jerk who's always insecure and always struggling with jealousy. Nobody in here. Um, 
That's an issue he had. And so as David was playing the harp to try to help him relax, it says, watch this, verse 10. We're going to camp out on verse 10 for a second. Saul hurled his spear at David, but David dodged out of the way and leaving the spear stuck in the wall, he fled and escaped into the night. Now we're going to talk about today in this, in this part of the series, we're going to talk about loving the people who are hard to love, loving the people who don't love you, loving your enemies, people who call you their enemy. What's happening here is David doesn't consider Saul an enemy. David loves Saul. David loves his country. David loves, of course, the king of his country. He's trying to be a good guy. And yet in the middle of all that, Saul attacks him. And we are going to talk in a minute about how you can be attacked and not do anything wrong. But some of you are only going to hear that. And I need you to hear the other part of it first you're probably doing something to make people want to attack you. <laughs> See, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to preach today's message, and you're going to go to your connect group this week, and you're going, I'm just like David. I'm innocent, and I'm perfect, and I never do anything wrong, and everybody picks on me, and nobody likes me, but I'm always the victim, and I never do anything wrong. Bull crap. <laughs> the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. You barely even read God's word, if at all. You and David are not the same person. On occasion, and I will get to it, you do nothing wrong and people still attack you and it's all wrong in them. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But I need you to ask yourself a question. Are you provoking more attacks than you're preventing? Just kind of own that. Have you ever heard the phrase, nothing brightens the room like your absence? If you haven't, people are just saying it about you when you leave, okay? You may be causing some of the issues that people have with you. David, and once again, we'll get there, is truly innocent. And I'm sure there are times in your life where you're innocent. But before you hear all of that, stop and ask yourself, maybe am I part of the problem too? Am I doing some things? This is what the Bible says in Luke chapter 27. But you who are willing to listen, if you'll, if you'll open up your ears and just humble yourselves for a second, I say, love your enemies. This is Jesus talking. Do good to those who hate you. When's the last time you did something good for Carl? Man, he's a jerk. Did you bring him a coffee last week at work to say hi? Did you sit down and help Karen with her TPS reports? Or did you just be like, I hate them. I can't. Yeah, do good. It says, it says, actually, it goes on. Bless those who curse you. When was the last time you blessed your enemy? Pray for those who hurt you. When's the last time you prayed for your ex-husband, your ex-wife? Not, 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 not the like, dear God. <laughs> I'm not even going to finish it. I don't want to give you guys ideas. But pray for those who hurt you. Do to others, watch this, do to others as you would like them to do for you. Some of you might be provoking more attacks than you're preventing because you're not really loving the people that you're supposed to. David was doing everything he could to serve Saul. If it was you, and we're talking about your boss, or your coworker, you're like, oh, I'm a good person. No, you're not. You sit there and give him the stink eye half the day. <laughs> and you low-grade root for their destruction and their struggle. They know that, they can feel that, they know that you don't love them. You're not preventing attacks, you're provoking attacks. The Bible says this in Proverbs 24, don't rejoice 
when your enemies fail. Don't be happy when they stumble. That's tough. Don't raise your hand, but you in here and you're overly competitive people. I went golfing with my friends and we decided to make it a little bit of a competition. And I want that, like, you know, you want to do, we're like, oh man, good hit, great, that's great. But there's a part of me that's also like when they, you know, they send one over the green into the other bunker. I'm like, oh no, oh no, another stroke for you. Cause like, you know, like there's deep down, you want to be, you want to be the winner. And so you actually, that spirit in you, Satan uses that and exploits that and he makes other people resent you. They're like, oh man, she doesn't really care about me. He doesn't really want the best for me. They're selfish. And so you may be provoking more attacks, but let's, let's go back to the story and let's just assume that you are like David and you didn't do anything wrong because he's not, he's not doing anything wrong. And yet Saul still hurls a spear at him. Now watch this, let's go back to verse, let's go back to verse 10 and break it down. Saul hurled the spear at David but David dodged out of the way. He dodged out of the way of the attack. See, here's what I need you to understand. Some of you think that being a good Christian, some of you think that, that, that loving your enemy means you just have to sit there and take everything that they throw at you. The Bible does not teach you to be a doormat. If you're in an abusive relationship, it doesn't please God for you to just take an onslaught of abuse. That's not what God's best is for you. That Jesus was preaching in the temple one time and they didn't like what he had to say. And in John chapter eight, verse 50, 59, it says he, he finished speaking and they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus concealed himself and left the temple. You do not have to let people hit you with stones and spears to prove that you love God. Listen, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to help somebody here. Some of you are like, well, I just, I'm in this relationship and I'm trying to be a good friend. I'm trying to be a good person. And they just keep, they're just evil. There's something broken in them that they just have to attack you with the most vicious things they can. And you're just absorbing one spear throw after another, one hit after another. Well, I love them and they just keep hitting you. And they're the kind of people that their spears are dipped in poison and all they can do is find the most evil, most hurtful, most cutting thing to say. And they are hurling it at you. And you're like, well, if I love them, if I'm, in a, if I'm gonna be a good person, I have to take it and absorb it and take it and absorb it. Time and time again, they attack you with some things that's not fair. It's a brokenness in them. You do not have to adapt and adopt that, uh, that, that brokenness and say, this is what it means to love them. No, you can just let that stuff go by. The choice to attack you is theirs. The choice to absorb it is yours. They attack because there's something broken in them and that's something they got to work out with God. But when they are attacking you, you don't have to find your identity in all those attacks. You don't have to just, oh man, that's, that's me, that's, uh, I am the worst. And some of you, I'm sitting here talking to you about loving your enemy and caring for people and forgiving others, but you're in here today sitting in that chair and you're like a pincushion filled with spear attacks that you've had. Ever since your childhood, you had a parent who would attack that way, or you had a teacher, or you had a best friend, or you have a sibling, or you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whoever, and these people attack you and you just keep taking it hit after hit after hit. And you begin to believe that that's who you really are. That your identity is the sum total of all the things that you screw up because you've absorbed so many hits from somebody. Somebody takes their brokenness and wants to put that on you because that's the only way they know how to feel better about themselves and that's not your job. 
It's not your job. I joke with you guys about sending me emails that I won't read. Because everybody's got critique. And every week, Pastor, I didn't like you said this. I think you should have said that. Pastor, why don't you do this? Listen, I don't find my identity in what you like or don't like. Now, here's the truth. I like hearing your replies. I like, like knowing where you're at. I like reading emails. I like getting good advice. But here's what I do. I take the critiques. Some of them are like spears that were hurled in hatred. And some of them are just people that don't know how to help me. I'm talking about you. They don't know how to help. So they say things that really hurt, but they're not trying to hurt. And what you got to do is you got to take that to God. And you got to go, God, what do you have in this for me to learn from? Because you're not perfect. So when people offer up suggestions on how you can be better, be teachable. Be humble enough to go, man, maybe I could be better. But that doesn't mean take a spear to the chest. Do you guys understand the difference? See, this is what Paul's talking about in Galatians. In Galatians chapter 2, Paul's saying this. Some of you guys need to understand this. He goes, it's no longer I who live. My old self is crucified with Christ. The old me, when Jesus died on the cross, he died to pay for the old me. So the old me died with him on the cross. It's no longer me who's standing here in front of you. It's Christ who lives in me. So I can live this, whatever time I have left, I live in this earthly body by trusting God. So when you're coming at me, yes, I suck. Yeah, I admit it. You want to Talk to me about all the things I screwed up. We can go for hours. I'm a dumpster fire, but it's not about the old Josh and the stuff that Josh does. It's about the fact that Jesus lives in me and he's given me a plan that's better. If all you want to do is focus on the dumpster, the dumpster fire side of my life, okay, that's not really going to be that constructive. Now, if I keep going back to my old ways and you truly love me, help me see where I can be better. But a lot of my enemies, they only just want to keep that dumpster fire burning. And they want me to live my identity in the worst of who I am. I know I'm broken. I know I suck. I know I got a lot of things that are, that are wrong with me. But I also know that Jesus Christ died for me and that that's who I'm supposed to be. So help me walk like this. Great, I'll take it. Even if it cuts a little bit, I'll take it. But if all it is is a spear to make me feel pain, I'm not called to absorb it. Dodge those, all right? I don't have much more time on that, so we got to move on. But this is what it says afterwards. Go back to verse 10. Saul throws the spear. David dodged it. And it says this. He dodged out of the way, leaving the spear stuck in the wall. Now, why, why would the Bible include that detail? Because you and I don't do it. Here's how you and I are. Boom, spear. Oh, throwing spears, are we? Woo, I got some spears for you. Let's go. I'm a spear thrower too. Let's go. You got some spears. Oh, I got some spears. Oh, no, nobody here. Nobody here. Nobody here gets attacked and then attacks back. Just me. Okay. Leave the spear in the wall. Why do I say that? I, I tried to come up with like a cool way to make this point and say it in a really fancy way. And I was like, they will miss it if I do that. Here is the point. You don't have to retaliate. You don't have to. Oh, but pastor, you don't understand. You don't have to retaliate, but you don't understand how mean they are. You don't have to retaliate, but you don't know what they said or what they, you don't have to retaliate. 
oh, but they're on my nerves, and it's the last time, and they've done it a hundred times, and how many times am I supposed to forgive them? They asked Jesus the same thing. Seven times? You go, 70 times seven. Forgive them so many times that you lose count of how much you forgive them. Just don't retaliate, but you don't, don't retaliate. The Bible says it a bunch of different times. Romans chapter 12, it says it this way. Never pay back evil with more evil. How often? Come on, say it with your chest. How often? Never. Never pay back evil with more evil. Instead, do things in such a way that everybody can see you're honorable. Act, act like you have more character than the person who's throwing the spears. Act like you have something greater in your life than your emotions. They're attacking out of a brokenness. Your refusal to retaliate shows that you're not the broken person that they are. Instead, what do you do? What do I do? We just lower ourselves to their level, and it's just a whole bunch of people throwing spears at each other. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Uh, dear friends, never take revenge. There's that never word again. Not don't take revenge unless you've really had it and it's, it's a Monday morning and they already are on your last nerve. Go ahead, take revenge. It doesn't say that. Does it give you a justification? Never take revenge. Leave that instead to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, the Bible tells us, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. See what this is? This is really a test on who do you trust? You keep taking revenge. You keep saying those things. You keep trying to hurt them back for hurting you because you trust yourself to protect you. You don't trust God. If you really trusted God, then you would be like, yep, I'm not going to absorb that and I'm not going to throw it back either. That, re that requires a faith in something bigger than yourself. But you're the God of your life and so you keep choosing the wrong thing. It says, let God do it. And he goes, if you're really looking for something to do, he goes, instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. And if your enemies are thirsty, give them something to drink. And notice he doesn't say poison in there either time. <laughs> when you do this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. You treating people the way that Jesus would have treated them is the thing that allows God to work in their heart where they go, oh man, I can't bring him down to my level. I can't get her to get down in the mud and, and, and throw rocks at each other like, like I wanted to. I feel worse about what I'm doing because I can't bring them down to my level. That's what you do when you act more like Jesus and less like yourself. He says, don't let evil conquer you, but instead you can conquer evil by doing good. If your workplace had a little bit more of this, it wouldn't be the toxic place it is. If your family members would do this more than they do the opposite, your, your uh, Thanksgiving dinners wouldn't be so awkward. Well, yeah, I wish somebody would. Who do you think that person is? You. You wish somebody at your work would? You. 
You want somebody in your family to start doing it? You start doing this. Stop answering evil for evil. Instead, conquer evil by doing good. You just won't do good because you feel like that's going to allow that's going to show that you're weak or that's going to show that you don't you don't really what's going you don't realize what's going on. Instead, you say, "God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to do the right thing even if nobody else does the right thing." He doesn't just leave the thing stuck there. If you go back to verse 10, it says he leaves it stuck in the wall. And then it says the last part of verse 10, it says he fled and escaped into the night. He didn't stick around and have a debate with Saul. Here's what you need to hear. He exited the company of somebody who was toxic. He parted ways with somebody who was not good for him to be around. He realized that this was not a relationship that he needed to stay in close proximity to this person. At no point is it ever justification to not love them. You're always supposed to love them. Jesus loved everybody. Even the people didn't like him back. Jesus went out of his way to show kindness to the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the lepers, the religious elite who hated him. He would go to parties. He would go, he would go befriend them. But the people that chose to reject God were not people that Jesus walked with in close proximity. They were not his closest friends. They were not his biggest source of influence. He surrounded himself the closest with people that were gonna walk on the journey with him to pursue what God wanted. You do not surround yourself with people who will pull you away from being the man or the woman that God's called you to be. You can love them, but if they won't walk on the journey that you're called to walk on to be better, you love them, but you do not keep letting them pull you away from God. If they want to walk with you, great. You love them wherever they are and try to encourage them to follow after you. But what you guys are doing is you're like, yeah, I got to love them and they're, they're horrible, but I'm going to love them over here. No, no. Those people are bringing you down. They're, they're filled with hate or venom. And maybe it's, not that, maybe it's not your enemy, but it's the wrong person. It's the toxic person that's keeping you from being who it is that God's called you to be. Paul warns Timothy about these kind of people, and he gives us a list. He says, there's people that you should stop hanging out with. There's people that you should not allow them to be a huge part of your life. These people shouldn't have influence in your life. He says, here's how you know. These are the people that will love only themselves in 2 Timothy chapter 3. They're going to be lovers of themselves or they're going to love their money. Stay away from those kind of people. Stay away from people who are boastful and proud, the cocky people. Don't spend time with people who are always scoffing at God. The, the people that should be a part of your life are not people who are always complaining and looking down their nose at God. They shouldn't be the kind of people who are disobedient to their parents, people who are disrespectful. That will rub off on you. It shouldn't be people who are ungrateful. They, they can't seem to ever have a good attitude about anything. You shouldn't be around the people who consider nothing sacred. You got those friends? Everything's a joke. Nothing serious, especially nothing about God. That is not good for you to be in that. That is a toxic mentality. He says, hey, the people that are cruel, the people that hate what's good, that's not healthy for you. People who would betray their friends, people who aren't trustworthy, people, people who are reckless. Remember some of the dumb stuff you did when you were in high school? 
It's because you were reckless and you were hanging out with other people that were reckless. You shouldn't hang out with people who are puffed up with pride. You shouldn't love people who love pleasure or shouldn't be around people. Not, you're supposed to love them, but you shouldn't be around people who love pleasure rather than they love God. This one might hurt. Don't hang out with people. Don't get in close proximity with people who act religious. Pastor, are you saying there might be church people that'll hurt me? That's why you don't date the first cute person at church. Well, I met him at church. Yeah, it doesn't mean you should date him. Why? Because they act religious, but they reject the power that could make them godly. They're here, but they're not real. And when you start dating and falling in love with somebody who isn't real, you start to fade and become more like them. And so he says, hey, be very careful, because he goes on and he says, stay away from people like that. What is he saying? He's saying, hey, there are people that should not be a part of your inner circle. If they are unhealthy, David loved Saul, but David was not tight with Saul. I can love my coworker. I don't have to partake in the things my coworker does in order to show them love. I can love a sibling, but I don't have to gossip and become bitter with my sibling in order to tell them I love them. I can love them and still become the man that God's called me to be. I can show them love and still hold myself to a higher standard than what they're doing. David says it this way, I do not spend time with liars and I don't go along with hypocrites. I hate the gathering of those who do evil and I refuse to join in with them, with the wicked. Have you put up any kind of healthy boundaries? Part of, part of going forward in, in healthy relationships is knowing when the toxic ones need to be kept out there. It is, do not take this and say, see, I can hate them. You cannot hate them. Jesus loved them. But if they weren't willing to make the right choices, he wasn't going to stop making the right choices to, sit, to, to do that. He was going to keep doing the right thing and they can join in. And until they do, you just love them. You don't hate them, but you don't, you don't join in in the toxicity. How do I know that? Well, Saul keeps, Saul, once David runs away, Saul proclaims that David's a traitor. He tells everybody that David's, David's a traitor. He's betrayed Israel. He's trying to take the throne. And Saul's, Saul's court, his friends are like, yeah, David's the worst. Let's kill him. It says Saul rallies in, in chapter 24. It says Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all of Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. And at the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself they didn't have, you know, like gas stations on the side of the road, guys. It's caves. It's have caves. So he goes into this cave. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding further back in that very cave. Hey, now's your opportunity, David. David's men whispered to him, right now, now's your chance. The, 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 the Lord's telling you, I'm going I'm to put your enemy into your power to do with you as you wish. I just need you to hear something, okay? Not all the advice you get is good advice especially when it comes to being at odds with people. Even if they claim spiritual stuff, even if they're like, I think God's telling you. 
Hey, bro, God will tell me. Not everybody who quotes a Bible verse to you has your best intention in mind. And not everybody who gives you advice on somebody that hates you is also helping you. Oh, yeah, your ex-boyfriend's there. Let's hate him together. Like, you know, like, no. Sometimes they think they're showing you loyalty by being mad at somebody. Stop listening to people who just want to be your friend. You need some healthy influences in your life. You need people who are more spiritually mature than you speaking into your life. Get a mentor, somebody who's ahead of you spiritually, hopefully by at least a few years that can speak into your life and help you make smart decisions. Don't just listen to all the people around you because they may, they may even have good intentions, but they're giving you the wrong advice. It's a freebie. You know, I don't even charge you for that one. So David crept forward. He crept forward and he cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. And when David's conscience began to bother him because he had cut Saul's robe, and he said to the men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord, the king. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one. The Lord himself has chosen King Saul. What, what is happening here is David illustrating how much better he is than you and I. David comes up and cuts a little piece of his robe off. You and I, we'd be like, this guy's trying to kill me. This guy's ruined my life. He's called me a tra- I had to leave my home in the night. I had to flee everything I know. I'm living on the run as a fugitive because this guy, and now all of a sudden they're vulnerable. They're ready for an attack or they're not ready for an attack. And you could kill them. Like men cutting their robe. That doesn't even, that, that's not, I'm not going to feel bad about that. David felt bad about cutting his robe. Why? Because even the smallest jab is still retaliation. Well, I didn't throw the spear back. I just threw a rock back. That's still on you. You see, what I think this verse is teaching us is that your sin comes from the motivation of your attack, not the magnitude of your attack. Well, as long as I don't do as bad as they did, then I'm still the good guy. Nope. Uh, I knew nobody liked that because this is how I justify my actions too. I'm not as evil as them, so I'm still the good guy. No, you're still the bad guy. Even a small retaliation, even a small sin is still sin. You're not responsible for them. You're responsible for you. Well, Pastor Josh, you don't know. You're responsible for you. But in comparison to how much they hurt me, this is nothing. You're responsible for you. Let God deal with them for them. He goes on and it says, David, David holds back. David restrains his men, doesn't let him kill Saul. And after Saul left the cave and gone his way, David came out of the cave and he shouted after him, my Lord, the king. And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him and he shouted to Saul, why do you listen to the people who say I'm trying to kill you? This very day, you can see with your own eyes that it's, not, that it's not true. The Lord placed you at my mercy back there in the cave, and some of my men told me to kill you, but I spared you, for I said I'll never harm the king. He's the Lord's anointed one. See, what, Saul, what David does is he points out something that's really hard for us to see in ourselves. And he points it out to King Saul, and he's pointing it out to you and I. So that when it comes to disagreements with people who dislike us, we feel a need to rally an army. Okay? 
we, when we are hurt, we want people to be on our side to help us get against that person. David had his 400 men. Saul had his 3,000 men. And if you leave it up to everybody else making you feel good about your choices, it would have been a bloodbath that day. See, what his men were thinking is if we kill Saul and Saul doesn't come out of that cave, we're stuck in a cave with 3,000 dudes coming at us. They all would have been dead. But David wasn't interested in placating the people who surrounded him. He was more interested in who God had called him to be. And because of that, he saves all of their lives. One person making the right choice. Even though King Saul cared more about what people were saying and how much they agreed with him, David didn't care if he had to disagree with all 400 of his most faithful men. He said, no, I'm going to do the right thing when it comes to this relationship. See, what happens, we, we break up, we get a divorce, we, we get in a fight at, at Christmas, we have, have a blow up at work. We want people around us going, you're good, you're good. They suck, they suck. I'm on your team. Here's a question. Are you trying to pull people to your side or are you trying to point people to your savior? Because you can't do both in these relationships. The question's up for you. What is your goal here? Pulling people to where you need to be, to, to, to where you want them to be, or pointing them to who Jesus is? Because your relationships with people is what does that. Exodus says it this way, the Lord himself will fight for you, you just gotta stay calm. Who are you gonna trust? You gotta get everybody else to do your fighting with you, or will you trust the Lord to fight for you? I'm asking you that question. Are you going to trust the Lord to fight for you or are you going to get everybody else to try to fight for you? Because that's how you feel comfortable in, in these relationships. I like the way another version says this exact same thing. The Lord himself will fight for you. You only have to be silent. <laughs> Could you go back to the be calm? No, 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 no. You have to be silent. Maybe you just need to shut up. Maybe God's just telling you today, like, hey, I know they hurt you. I know they're evil. I know they're wicked. I know they did some really bad stuff. Stop talking about it. Stop living in that pain. Stop absorbing all of those hits. Stop finding your identity as their enemy. You're my child. I've called you to be better. Let's walk forward and forgive them. Now, some of you are hearing this, and your pushback to me right now is, I can't forgive them. That won't work. I tried, Pastor Josh, I tried to forgive. I tried to love. I tried to be kind. I, I've extended the olive branch and they have rejected it time and time again. You will never regret loving somebody. Hear me out. When you die and you stand before God, you will not regret extending love to that person. What you will regret is giving up on that person. How do I know? Because here's the thing. You keep thinking that you trying to love them and them not responding is a failure. That's not the failure. It's not a failure to try to love somebody who won't love you back. The failure is, is stopping loving them. See what the Bible tells me in Corinthians? Love never fails. Love never fails. It's not a verse that's just meant for weddings. It's a verse to remind you and I that we're not a failure 
when we try to love the people who are hard to love. When we extend an olive branch in peace and they reject it, it's not a failure. I'm still learning to love like God. The way God loves me is the way I'm learning to love others. And if they reject it, now I know a little bit of what Jesus felt to love somebody who won't love you back and I'm gonna keep doing the right thing. And that's a much better win than to lower yourself down into the gutter and to get mad and to get bitter or to get depressed or to get anxious or to get frustrated or to throw more spears back at them. All of those are the things that Satan wants for your life. What God wants to do is he wants to take your relationships and he wants to elevate them to a place where you can point other people to Jesus and you can become more like him. The choice is yours. What are you gonna do? Love never fails. So will you extend that love? Or instead, will you keep calling the shots and keep doing it your way? The choice is yours. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? I'm gonna pray out loud. I'd ask you to pray right where you're at. Right where you're seated, would you simply ask God, God, do a work in my life. God, I need your help in my relationships right now. God, I need more of you and less of me. God, I need your help. God, would you help me stop provoking people? Help me change some things that are broken in me. Help me to stop being the kind of person who, who is, is, is hard to get along. Help me be a person who has joy and, and love. Maybe today you need to say, God, help me avoid some of these attacks. I've been absorbing too many hits. I found my identity in, in critique. I found my identity in, in, my, in my screw-ups and I, I, I haven't trusted you. God, help me. Maybe today you just have to admit that you've been too much of, of a person who retaliates. You've been too much of a person who, who throws back when you've been insulted, when you've been attacked. And today you need to say, God, forgive me. Help me be more patient. Help me be more forgiving. Help me be more merciful. Help me be more like you. And while there's people praying all over this room, I, I, gotta, I, I, I believe I believe so much that there's some people under the sound of my voice. Maybe in this room, maybe it's in the overflow room, maybe it's on the podcast, but there's somebody listening right now and you do not have the love of Jesus that has set you free, so you can't extend that love to somebody else. You don't have it in your own heart. You've never received Jesus Christ's forgiveness. You've never received his love. So right now in the middle of this, uh, this time of prayer, you, your, your goal should be to have great relationships, but it starts with the single most important relationship that's you and Jesus Christ. Would you just humbly invite him into your life? Would you accept his forgiveness? The Bible says that if you'll admit that you're broken, if you'll admit that you've sinned, that you've made mistakes, and that you can't fix them, but if you accept that Jesus Christ died to set you free, the Bible says not only will God forgive you, but he'll give you a home in heaven one day. If you have that love inside of you, now you have the opportunity to start sharing it with those around you. But you can't give out something that you haven't received. So some of you right now, would you just humbly pray and invite Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? As I pray out loud, you pray quietly. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we come before you. And Lord, we admit that every single one of us screw up relationships. We, we constantly choose the wrong thing. We say stuff that we shouldn't say. We act in a way that we shouldn't act. God, we... We fail to be gracious and, and, and considerate. God, we, we tend to be angry and bitter and gossip. And 
Lord, those are the things that's breaking apart our families. Those are the things that's ruining our communities. God, those are the things that are making our workplaces toxic. God, use us to start a change in our schools and in our classrooms and in our, our, around our dinner tables, God, in our communities, in our cubicle at work. God, let us be a, a source of change. Let us be people who walk away from this, this message today looking more like Jesus than how we started a few minutes ago. God, let us love people the way you love them. Let us forgive people. Let us, let us extend grace and mercy, even if it's not given back. God, we believe that's the thing that you will use to change the world around us and point more people to you and bring more people into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So God, we confess that we've screwed it up and God, at the same time, we ask that you would help us do better this week. And God, we trust that you've got better for us than we would have for ourselves. So we ask this, we pray this, and we believe this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you'd like to support the ministries of Harbor as we bring the hope of Jesus to our community and around the world, you can visit harborchurch.com give or text any amount to 84321. Thanks for listening. See you next week.